0: and historic tours. Follow the signs to park and take the free cat bus to the event. Come early for the Friday night street dance, March 31st at 7. Visit Facebook slash Spring Jubilee Festival or call 646-3782. South Carolina is just right.
1: Roy Philpot
2: on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. <laughs>
3: From the Wacky Wednesday file, there's this. Mark Duffer joins us in about 15 minutes. He's not wacky. He's not weird. But this story, Jeff Goodman, ESPN, uh, just tweeted uh, this out moments ago. Oklahoma State will interview alum Doug Gottlieb tomorrow, sources told ESPN. Brad Underwood left Oklahoma State to become the new head coach at Illinois, who ironically is still in the NIT and trying to make a deep run to Madison Square Garden. And so there's a coaching vacancy at Oklahoma State. Gottlieb played there, but apparently about an hour ago just announced a new radio gig with Fox Sports after he left CBS Sports. Like literally just announced that earlier today, and then now he's going to interview to become the new head coach at Oklahoma State. And first off, why would Oklahoma State want to interview him to be their new head coach to begin with? It's very awkward, very strange, right?
4: Isn't weird? Yeah, that is. Uh with us being the CBS affiliate, we had gotten a confidential email a few days ago saying that he was leaving. Oh, you crafty upper but, management, you! But I had I just figured it was for uh, somewhere else, and then I saw the news about Fox. But do you mm, getting back into getting back into sports, or especially as a coach? I don't know
3: how much sense that makes at all. It's very weird too. ESPN reporter breaking the news on a new Fox Sports radio employee who just left CBS like today. <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. I, I got news for you. Oklahoma State's not going to hire Doug Gottlieb, not unless you want to become the laughing stock of humanity. That, that I, I don't get that at all. And I think coaching circles are probably freaking out left and right, thinking that that's uh, potentially a, a possibility out in Stillwater. Anyway, thought I would mention that. Third hour begins right now. We're going to talk some more hoops in this hour. Let's get to Bill and Anderson next on the Northland Communication phone lines. Bill, good afternoon.
2: Mine, how are you today? Doing well. Uh, I've been at work all day, so I haven't been able to call in earlier. Uh, This year, for some reason, I just haven't heard anything about who the new players coming in for Clipson Basketball are. Mm. Uh, I heard one comment on a, a... uh, a six-nine post player, but I didn't get any names or anything else. What do, I know what we're losing. Who are we going to be getting in to replace what we are losing? I don't just what, who are the freshmen or transfers or whatnot to fill in the holes for Clemson basketball
3: next year. Bill, good questions. We'll address them for you offline. We appreciate your patience. And uh, we start, I guess, with uh, David Scar, is the guy that uh, came in from Valpo. Valpo, uh-huh. I- I'm imagining he's a really good shooter. Like, anybody that plays basketball in the Horizon League can shoot. That league is filled with shooters. Is that what his role is going to be? I've heard more about him on the defensive end, Very ironically. Good. Uh, Very good. I tend to...
4: And, and and i acknowledge it's a complete stereotype but a a big white kid coming from valpo i think shooter i, right. I just do <laughs> i'm just putting it out there i, I didn't even know his race honestly <laughs> uh six eight two ten and uh but yeah i do th- i think he is a shooter as well he is he's on campus been here all year long and uh will be you know i guess now
3: Officially part of the team. Right. So he'll be eligible, just like Shelton Mitchell and Marquise Reed had to sit out for a season. He did as well, transferring in from Valpo. Uh, The 2017 basketball commits, Clyde Trapp's already signed his uh, letter of intent, I believe, out of Lower Richland down near Columbia. Basically, right in my backyard where I grew up. 6'5", about 190 pounds, three-star prospect, according to most of the recruiting services. Uh, A.J. Oliver from right here in Daniel. Right. who's the son of one of the assistant coaches on the women's team, has been committed for quite some period of time. Some services have him as a four-star, mm-hmm. as do uh, Amir Sims out of Virginia. According to the service I'm looking at right now, they've got him as a four-star uh, small forward at 6'8", 200 pounds, can shoot, uh, pretty athletic. And then Malik William, I think, would be the power forward that uh, our last caller – Uh, bill and anderson was asking about so you got four basically on board i guess to be coming in in this next cycle
4: yeah and aj actually enrolled in january so he has he has been with the team uh, which means he's been able to go through workouts and be part of scout team and all that so i guess technically he's red shirting this semester is how that works Uh, he's very young Still, I mean, he's still obviously supposed to be in high school, and uh, and then Amir Sims is sort of the crown jewel of this class. He is the, I mean, he's very close, very close to a top one hundred player in the nation, and um, you know, I think he's so so Amir Sims, along with uh, Davis Gar, would be the probably the two that I would look for instant. you know, some kind of some kind of contribution from them,
3: and I believe as well that Brad Brunel said in his interview with uh, Walt Updall in the afternoons uh, a few weeks ago that the Valpo transfer was in fact their best defender, and that he was handling Jerome Blossom game in practice uh, a good bit. So that could be an encouraging sign for next season to bring in another player that gives you a little bit more oomph on the defensive end of the floor, because obviously that was where Clemson lacked consistency, tenacity. And the ability just to get stops in critical situations last season—that's got to change in 2018.
4: Yeah, and uh, and Scar will have this season, this coming, basically two seasons to play Good. Uh, on the floor here at Clemson. So, and like I said, of course, he's been here a a year now, so he's been part of the team and understanding the philosophies and things like that.
3: Let's go back to the Northland Communications phone lines. Kyle and Pickens joins us. Kyle, thank you for your patience. You're on the air.
5: Yes, sir. What's going on? Good to hear from you. Hey, um, you, you were talking about you know personnel loss and uh, you know, specifically you know quarterbacks for, for Clemson. I'm, I'm interested to pick your brain on what you think uh, the is going to look like this this coming season. You know, Evans has gone from Virginia Tech and Kyle has gone from Miami and Trubisky's gone from North Carolina and uh, you know North Carolina losing basically every weapon they had. Uh, you know, quarterback, running back wide receiver, you know, every weapon they ever – or they they had, you know, the last two years, they're going to be le- losing. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on how this shakes out? I know that, you know, the coast was always kind of a toss-up at the beginning of the year, but um, what are your thoughts on, you know, the, the recruiting from those top three schools? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Georgia Tech's always going to be in the mix as well. But does, you know, North Carolina specifically, have they recruited well enough to – to kind of keep this run going, the small run they've had, or, uh, you know, with Trubisky and Elijah Hood and Bug Howard and Ryan Switch, was that kind of a, you know, four-year stretch where, you know, we're going to see a drop-off. And I'll take your comments off air, brother.
3: Kyle, thank you. Uh, A lot of questions there. And let's think about it like this initially. As you alluded to, no Gerard Evans at Virginia Tech, which was a bit of a surprise. He electing to uh, take his talents uh, over to the next level, to the NFL. And I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. They did sign a couple of dual-threat quarterbacks. I forget the kid's first name. His last name's Hooker because that's easy to remember for whatever reason. He could factor in there at some point. And they've also signed some others that I think they like in Blacksburg. But no more Gerard Evans, so that's obviously a big deal. North Carolina, no more Mitch Trubisky. Marquise Williams, now two years removed from his career. Brad Kaya's out at Miami. Nathan Peterman at Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Signed originally with Tennessee. I thought he had a really good arm, a lively arm. I think he's got a chance to play the next level. He's, he's going to be drafted. He's gone from Pittsburgh. Uh, Georgia Tech. I and mean, at one point at the end of last year, they started a freshman quarterback center and I think A and B backs. They were really young, but yet finished 9-4 and four and actually finished kind of strong after that 3-8 and eight campaign and disaster. 3-9, and nine, I think it was the year before. Uh, Virginia under Bronco. Mendenhall still trying to build. Duke. I think Thomas Cirk is transferring. They finished one and seven in the league last year and took a major step backwards. So Duke kind of fell back to reality as far as what to expect this coming year. Uh, Ben, I I do trust, this sounds weird, Fedora has a brand in Chapel Hill. They're going to go up-tempo. They're going to toss it around. They've recruited fairly well. I thought they took a little bit of a step backwards last year at 8-5 and five after winning the division the previous year. Remember, they were like an onside kick away from maybe being in the college football playoff uh, the year that Clemson first made it. You know. I, I think North Carolina probably is still about an 8-win team. I, I, they know what they're doing. Fedora's a little different. He's eccentric. He's a little bit of a different bird, but I they're not going to fall off the face of the earth. I mean, even with Switzer gone and... In Trubisky, I, I, I kind of like what they do, but I, I don't think they're going to be the favorites next year. Virginia Tech, Justin Fuente's building his brand. They signed some of those young quarterbacks we talked about, but with No Evans and Bucky Hodges out, uh, they'll probably be more defensive oriented next year. Who would be the favorite in the coastal? I mean, would it be Georgia Tech?
4: Georgia Tech loses Thomas, so that I mean that would be a concern there. And you know, when you lose somebody who really understands that offense. That's a concern. I'm sure they're bringing back and signing 14 A and B and 12 backs. But, um, so that, that would be my reason for Paul's, I mean, for hesitation with, with Georgia tech. But right now, I mean, they have as good as argument as anybody, right? I mean, I'm not, Miami didn't do anything and they, and they had, had a quarterback. They're losing that. Um, North Carolina probably loses an awful lot. Pittsburgh loses players. Um, I mean, I'm kind of thinking out loud about. It. I yeah. I mean, maybe
3: it is Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech will get votes because of what happened last year. North Carolina, having lost all that talent, probably you know be picked second or third. I mean. Miami conceivably there's a lot of people that get really high on Miami in the offseason because it's Miami. They've yeah. never won a division championship in the ACC in more than 12 seasons. But yet people are still going to talk about them? I'm not. No, I mean, I, mean I, they, I agree they were 5 and 3 and 9 and 4 last year overall. They were respectable and they closed the season on a five game winning streak. But with Brad Kai out of the mix, I think people will say, ah, "I'm not really sure about the U. I I
4: want to say Virginia Tech, just I don't know enough about their returning roster. The and and I don't. I'm not trying to suggest they were a fluke this year, but Evans caught a lot of people off guard. You know, we didn't didn't think they were going to have a quarterback, and they did. Um, and now he's leaving. So who's the next guy? Uh, you know, North Carolina with Trubisky and and Elijah Hood, both those guys gone, and you felt like you felt like that was. Uh, a big part of their team. It was a it was a big part. I mean, Elijah Hood wasn't as big a part as he should have been. But, um, so I mean, you start looking at teams like that that are more where losing one or two s- star type players, I think, impacts those teams more than it does, you know, a Florida State or a Clemson or or maybe even a Louisville. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. And and, and all of those teams really are
3: losing a couple of guys. The ACC and the Coastal, it always seems to be just kind of a crapshoot. I mean, and, and and Georgia Tech fans, turn off your radio and don't listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you. But Kiss I, of death. Here yeah, it goes. I, I am totally the kiss of death. But how last season ended and the uncertainty everywhere else, that would be the typical season in which Tech kind of does its thing. Now, you could also say, but, Roy, it's one year they're hot, the next year they're not. Just look at the last six seasons. And I would concede that point, but next year could be the prototypical year in which they take a step forward under Paul Johnson. And, of course, that means they're going to start one and four, and then they'll win out and win the division. And, you know, for a month and a half, I'll look like a total idiot. But I I would kind of lean in their favor. I think when you beat Georgia at the end of the year the way in which they did, you win your bowl game, you finish the year nine and four, ironically, all four of those losses coming within the league, But you closed as strong as you did, even with some losses. I I think that they'll be well positioned at the end. I think Tech will be in the middle of it at the end. And I would expect that Virginia Tech does as well. I've read some spring reports from Justin Fuente. And he doesn't seem to be overly concerned at quarterback. Gerard Evans was good. Remember how emotional he got in the ACC championship game? And he was like, uh, he he was uh, mocking Deshaun and Uh doing the arrow thing. And he's pointed towards the Clemson sideline. And he he was was jibber-jabbering a lot. I wasn't a huge fan of that. And he was a good player. Really good player, but I mean, can you survive without him? Maybe, yeah, maybe you can. You know, maybe you can. I, I would go Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, right down the coastal, with North Carolina probably third, then Miami, Pittsburgh, and then Virginia, Duke. I mean, just just thinking out loud. Now, give me that again. In, in the coastal, I would go Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, one A and one B. Mm-hmm. I'd go North Carolina third, Miami fourth, Pittsburgh, then Virginia and Duke. That's where I am with it.
4: I could, I could buy that list. And the thing about Georgia Tech, nobody looks like an idiot picking them or, or saying that they're going to lose every game because there's such a fine line with that team between success and right. failure. Right. Uh, and, and you can make very good arguments both ways when it comes to Georgia Tech. I, I Duke and Virginia, I mean, I agree they're going to be fighting out for last place. Um, I, I probably would still put Virginia last
3: thought they would show some signs this year and they just really didn't at some point bronco mendenhall will have a breakthrough campaign it's yeah. probably not this coming fall
4: i think so it's just duke feels like duke is is further ahead as a program than virginia's um
3: and you know regardless of their losses i'll give you this in the atlantic i think syracuse could be a surprise team with eric dungey quarterback I I'm in not... the atlantic oh no doubt about it. all right so you're with me on that they were four and eight last year they weren't very good but there is certainly an identity there with Dino Babers, but Eric Dungy, a quarterback, that's a proven commodity to where they should handle B.C., Wake Forest, and even NC State. And then if you look at their crossover opponents, I, I think that they could do some damage uh, against those teams. And, and so Syracuse, despite finishing in sixth place last year, uh, probably starts the year 3-0 and with wins against Central Connecticut State, Middle Tennessee, and Central Michigan. They'll get blown out at LSU, they'll win at NC State. I think Syracuse is gonna be a bowl team this year and probably win at least seven games and be a surprise. You know, we we I think we mentioned this yesterday, but
4: I had read somewhere Syracuse returning twenty starters next year. Really? Was okay. as much as any power five was the most of any power five school. And so you're talking about twenty starters who were in a brand new system last year that plays, you know, extremely fast. One more they've got a year of that under their belt uh and, and a coach that I I just really really like uh, think you think about the potential in the Atlantic you know a lot of people talked about how strong it was this year but top to bottom next year you could argue the Atlantic is going to be even stronger than
3: it was this year agree or disagree DeAndre Francois questions a quarterback at Clemson and again I'm, I'm going top, top to bottom Louisville I, I don't know what Louisville is uh, Louisville is returning the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, you
4: know, I mean, I know the I know what they're losing, but a lot of people are going to just look at that.
3: I, I don't know that I would agree with that about the Atlantic because, I mean, it would be natural for all of us to think that Clemson's not going to win the national championship, so that's a small step back. Florida State maybe can. Florida State opens with Bama. Florida State beats Bama down in, in the Georgia Dome or the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, whatever they're calling uh, calling it. If Florida State were to win that game, that's going to change a lot of things. I just, again, talking
4: about them top to bottom. Top to bottom. NC to State and Syracuse both could be surprised. NC, NC State, State oh, I see where could be going. a much better team. Uh, and even even Wake Forest is, is I think, is a program trending upward.
3: Uh, Boston College will not be trending upward there was only one team in the Atlantic Division last year that finished with a losing overall record only one team that was not bowl eligible that was Syracuse BC Wake and NC State for as mediocre as we think those programs are all went seven and six so I mean that, that's not bad down at the bottom in your top teams Clemson and Florida State Combined to win 14 or 24 games in a national championship, Louisville added in nine wins but lost its final three. See, that's it. Do we get Louisville and Lamar Jackson that poured in 63 against Florida State last year, or Louisville and Lamar Jackson that were blitzed by LSU in the bowl game and lost at home to Kentucky at the end of the regular season? And considering they lost stars on all three levels of their defense and Todd Grantham, their defensive play caller, I don't know what to expect out of that binary. That's fair. Total wins for. The Atlantic Division next year,
4: I could, I could see being even or even a game better,
3: especially with the improvement expected out of Syracuse that we just talked about. Maybe so, maybe so. Six five four seven six two seven. Our phone number. We'll switch gears in our next segment. Mark Dofer joins us from the Big Apple. South Carolina trying to make a run of the NCAA tournament. Halfway home to the Final Four, Baylor will be the opponent Friday night in the Sweet 16 up at Madison Square Garden. Get his take on that and everything else going on. Mark Doe for WYFF coming up next. The 8th Annual Tiger Paw Classic is coming to Bosco Bell Country Club in Pendleton
1: in April 21st, supporting Tanner's Totes and Clemson Marketing Student Scholarships. You can play, advertise, donate, sponsor, or all of the above. The Tiger Paw Classic, sponsored by the Clemson University Sales Certificate Program. Call Brendan at 774-573-6419 or by email at bdonnell at g.clemson.edu. When choosing a lawyer, you need someone who knows the law, will take your legal needs seriously, and deliver excellent results. That lawyer is David Green. The Green Law Firm can successfully handle probate issues, estate planning, small business payroll tax problems, income tax returns, and any issue with the IRS. Get the results you are entitled to. For a free consultation, call the Green Law Firm at 271-7940 or go online at greenlaw.legal
4: there's never been a better time than now to buy from George Coleman Ford where trucks cost less and travelers rest like a new 2016 f-150 crew cab with ecoBoost and chrome package 44785 MSRP for just 34785 and zero percent financing for up to 72 months with approved credit and remember there are never any dealer fees at George Coleman Ford serving you for over 85 years and four generations for the ride of a lifetime George Coleman Ford, With approved credit, must own 95 or newer, Ford, Lincoln, or Mercury. It's
5: always a good time to look and feel good. At Rooster's Men's Grooming Center, you can count on a team that will make you feel your absolute best. The many services provided will keep you coming back for more. Come by for anything from a close shave and professional haircut to a seven-step facial shave. Fellas, treat yourself. You deserve it. Don't have enough time on your hands for the full service? Ask us about our express cut. Call
4: 864-884-8920
5: to make your appointment.
4: When you've been in business almost 100 years, you've been doing something right. Since 1917, the key to Harbin Lumber's success has rested on its hardworking employees, people just like you providing top lumber, building supplies, and contract services. You can be confident in customer service and support you can trust for your project, whether construction or large remodeling jobs. Call 353-5053. Find us on Facebook or online at harbinlumber.com.
6: Everything that's made just for you is a perfect fit, right? Like a tailored suit. It fits your measurements. No one else's. That same kind of fit is exactly what engineered sleep strives for. A mattress made just for you, built to your sleeping patterns and habits. What could be more important than a good night's rest? Engineered Sleep wants to make it a perfect night's rest. If after a couple of weeks you find it's not perfect, Engineered Sleep will adjust it until it is. Visit their location at 627 Congaree Road to see the process. Learn how your mattress is made. By manufacturing your custom-made mattress at their factory, you're saving money because there is no middleman. Factory to you, and you can score a significant discount by picking up your mattress instead of having it delivered. Engineered Sleep, it's not mattress shopping. It's an experience.
1: Hey, buddy, what's that? Oh, it's an app I loaded to help people find healthcare around Clemson. Listen. Healthcare in Clemson.
6: Anmed Health Clemson on Tiger Boulevard. That's where I see my doc.
1: Yeah, but that's all it ever says. See? I need urgent care.
6: Anmed Health Clemson on Tiger Boulevard.
1: Hey, that's Care Connect. Okay, try this. Primary care physicians.
6: Anmed Health Clemson on Tiger Boulevard.
1: Huh, we gotta make this harder. I need lab tests. And x-rays. An OBGYN. A flu shot. A CT scan.
6: Pediatrician. Cardiac care. Electrophysiologist. Ann Med Health Clemson on Tiger Boulevard.
1: It doesn't take an app to find quality health care around Clemson. Ann Med Health Clemson is bringing our urgent care, primary care, specialty, and diagnostic services to one convenient address.
6: Visit nmedhealth.org slash Clemson.
1: Roy Philpott on WCCP. I'll do my job. You people better start doing yours. And now, back to Roy and Ben on WCCP
3: 105.5 The Roar. Third hour continues back at 105.5 The Roar. With Ben Milstead, Roy Philpott. Great to have you with us. It's been a spring-like Wednesday afternoon. Not as warm as it was yesterday here in the upstate. But certainly warmer than where our next guest is. We take you to the Empire State, the Big Apple. Mark Dofer, Wyff Sports, joins us right now. Uh, you just flew up there this morning, didn't you, Mark?
1: Uh, I did, I did. So, um, and it's very, very windy here. Um, so we were we were rocking and rolling a little bit heading heading into uh, LaGuardia. Um, so there were some people not feeling so well in the seats around me. So. Um, it was, it was a rough ride getting in, in, into New York City. I, I fly a lot, and it's, uh, it's about as bumpy as I've ever seen it.
3: Yeah, I don't like that picture you're painting. I, I get nervous flying as it is, and I've had a lot of those landings recently where it's almost like you're coming in sideways to make sure that you don't have one of those bounce landings or something. And then finally when you're on the ground, you're just kind of looking up above saying, thank you, thank you, I'm still in one piece, you know? Yeah, exactly.
1: So uh, it's it's it's
3: very very cold and
1: very windy here. So I have traded the beautiful South Carolina weather for I think typical New York
3: weather. Well, the Champions Tour continues this time with a different program. You've covered Clemson's run in the college football playoff, and also with baseball last year in the ACC tournament, uh, Super Bowls, and now it's South Carolina's turn in the Sweet 16. I I don't even know what the agenda is uh, for the next couple of days. I know that they get Baylor tomorrow night, but. Uh, you're covering the event, I imagine. You've got press conferences to go to today? Uh,
1: actually, tomorrow, because they're, the fr- they're one of the Friday games. So we're, we're practices and pressers on Thursday, which is why I came up today. Um, we're still going to have coverage tonight, uh, you know, on WYFF News 4, because um, we got a little extra stuff with Frank Martin uh, yesterday. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because it, it doesn't really matter. Um, and I've covered several NCAA tournaments. It doesn't really matter where it's at. The, the system is the same. I mean, it's, it's practices and you know, the day before game day and then game day. And then it just – things get a little weird on game day depending on the game time uh, because – you know, obviously in the, fir- in the first and the second rounds, I mean, you could you could have a, a noon game, which changes sort of your coverage plan. Uh, but this one, this one's fairly normal. Seven thirty tip off on Friday night at MSG, so uh, uh, it should be uh, should be pretty good. But I'll be at the Garden all day tomorrow for the for the four teams uh, and their practices and
3: pressers. Yeah, worse places you could spend uh, a late March afternoon than the world's most famous arena. I think you and I had this conversation. I- I remember when Clemson was last in the tournament, I guess it was 2011, and you would go and cover these events, and it was just very stale in nature with the media access, where everybody's up on a podium, every reporter gets the same quote, the same soundbite. Is it still the same way, and is that something you would change if it is? Uh, No, they've actually, I think they've
1: changed it a little bit. I don't remember having... um locker room access after practices okay. you always get those after after games um and and that helps a little bit that way it, it's just not the the stuff from the you know from the, the run-of-the-mill press conference you know you've got a chance to to ask i think a, a few more specific questions because the the press conferences after ncaa tournament games are relatively short so um and then i i think for for south carolina you know they, they want to take advantage of the fact that uh you know, at least, you know, you know, in a basketball sense, all eyes are on them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the state so that they have made uh, not only Frank Martin, but Don Staley very, very available to the media, um, you know, to try and, and get their product out there as much as as much as they can. And why not? I mean, I would do the same thing if you're you know, you're one of the, the last 16 teams standing. I mean, keep keep in mind. I mean, there are three hundred and fifty two, I think, three fifty two um on uh, Division One basketball teams. And, you know, you're one of the last, like, 20 still playing. So it's a, you know, it is a pretty big deal.
3: I'm not a South Carolina fan, but I've enjoyed getting to know Frank Martin the last couple of years when I've called some games down there. And I've enjoyed watching his emotion of getting this team into the Sweet 16 and picking up their first win in the tournament since before we were both born. What has he been like throughout all this? And what's your expectation for South Carolina's head coach these next 24 hours or so?
1: um I you know he he's been really great and and Frank Martin has kind of surprised me at every turn I mean I I remember when I used to see him coaching at K-State and I thought man not only does that guy look really tall but he also looks really really mean (laughs) and nothing could be further from the truth I mean he's like 5'11 and um and he is an extremely nice guy and I think that you know there there are a lot of parallels in this between between this team and clemson football really because i think he's an enjoy the ride type of guy and you know and that's what you know that's what uh what Dabo Swinney always says you know enjoy the ride and you know the funds and the winning and i think they're very similar in that regard and then i think you look at this south carolina team and and the duke game is a perfect example they don't care what name's on the front of that jersey and that's exactly the way clemson footballs also got you know they weren't they weren't scared of ohio state and south carolina wasn't scared of duke and i think there's a, there's an edge to that and uh it's it's been kind of neat just having covered covered both of these both of these runs there, there are some parallels there uh re- regardless of the fact that it, you know they're not the same sport and obviously they're rival schools but there are some similarities in
3: these teams can you put your finger on what changed after the SEC tournament? I mean, they get ousted, I believe it was by Alabama, and then now all of a sudden, they're like one of the hottest teams in the country, and they're pouring in 64 second-half points against Duke, the most ever against the Coach K coach team. What, what has changed, and what really did develop this edge? Have you been able to, to, to pinpoint what that's been?
1: You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe maybe the tournament is set up for a team like them. I mean, they're tough. And and that's what Duke had trouble with. I mean, not, now granted, South Carolina shot over seventy percent in the second half, and you shoot over seventy percent in the second half against somebody you're probably going to win, um, and and the other team will be lucky if they don't get blown out. But th- there's a, there's a toughness to this team, and I think that's what Duke wasn't ready for. Um, you know, they're, they're they're physical. They don't mind mixing it up a little bit, um, and and they just get after you, and they're they're not just going to stand there and let you take you know and take three point shots when when that's your bread and butter. And, um, you know, when you consider the fact they, they shot, I think, what, 22%, 23% in the first half yeah. against Duke, and they were only down by seven? I mean, that's remarkable. That might be more remarkable than the second half, and the second half was pretty remarkable. But I think what this team has that, that, that's, that makes it well-suited for the tournament is that they're, they're tough, and, and, and they do have some senior leadership. I mean, Sindarius Thornwell's not 18 years old. I mean, this, He's a grown man. And there are teams that don't have that because you see so much of the one and done or two years and done. But if you can get some seniors on your team, I mean, how many teams have we seen in the past, you know, higher seeded teams that make a nice run in the tournament because because they're loaded up with seniors and not that South Carolina is that loaded, but they do have a couple of three guys that are that are that are key guys and that are leading this team that have a lot of game experience. So I think all that all that adds up to a team that does pretty well in the tournament.
3: Talking with Mark Dofer from WYFF, give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Dofer, WYFF. That's Mark with a C. And you mentioned this earlier, they weren't scared of Duke. They're not going to be scared of Baylor either. And Baylor has some physical players. Jonathan Motley really stands out in my mind. Manu Lacan is a guy that can get to the rim, can shoot the three. But they're not going to be intimidated by Baylor if Duke really didn't make them pause at all, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that they will be. I, I think this is an interesting matchup for 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 what you just said. I think Baylor is also a very physical team, uh, and would be curious to see how this thing how this thing's officiated. Um, you know, if they if they let them if they let them play, we you know we might have to you know we might have to back a few more ambulances up to MSG. Um, but. Uh, yeah, both really tough physical teams, and both teams that are, that are you know that are certainly playing at a high level right now, and, and have guys that are that are maybe performing better than what we saw during the regular season. Um, I'll be curious to see if South Carolina can continue to shoot the ball the, the way that they have. Now, granted, you know they, they got off to a bit of a slow start against Marquette, and, and they kind of kind of struggled to find their rhythm in the first half against Duke. But you take the second half of both of those games. I mean that looked like a much better offensive team than what we've seen all seen all season and not that they were bad you know during the regular season but they weren't like this. I mean keep in mind that the last couple of games of the of of the um, you know leading into the tournament South Carolina was averaging like 60 points a game. They're averaging 90 in the tournament. I mean that's that's remarkable on a you know when the when the lights are a little bit brighter and the pressure you know is amped up a little bit more. You know, this team is actually improving on offense, which should should scare anybody who's in the
3: bracket. Yeah, no question. It's one of the reasons I think they will beat Baylor coming up on Friday night. You were in Greenville last week for both of those games, and you saw this city and this region host the NCAA tournament. Uh, You were behind the scenes over there, Bon Secours Wellness Arena. It, it, It sounded like and it looked like I was watching from afar down in Texas, but it just looked like everything went almost perfect. For the NCAA tournament to come back to the city of Greenville in the future, if you don't mind for a moment, maybe painting the picture on what that was like—not only for the two wins by South Carolina, but with North Carolina, Arkansas in town—it just seemed like it went really, really well for this state for the first time in a long time.
1: It did, and and I don't know that it could have gone much better. I mean, and that that started on Selection Sunday. I mean, you see the teams that were headed to Greenville and you go, oh, my gosh, could it have gotten any better for the upstate? Um, And then it it was everybody. It was it was a collective effort. I mean, that the plan to host it was good. There were a lot there were a lot of of parking options. That is one of the problems with the well. There's not a lot of parking, um, you know, just right around the building. But I thought that the city handled that well. And then you talk about uh, Furman's SID staff just just ran things so smoothly. They got a little bit of help from from Clemson staff, which I thought was a very classy move from them to, you know, to, to, to lend a hand over there. Um, the arena staff was, it really was, it was a grand slam for the upstate. And when you're sitting there as, as one of the reporters that, you know, covers sports in that town and there are all these other reporters from other markets. Um, you know, I was very, very proud that I live in the upstate because th- there were nothing but good things from other reporters who had never been to Greenville. And I knew this would happen. Um, I knew that there were going to be some people that got sent to Greenville and that maybe they'd never heard of it or, you know, they heard a little bit about it, but they would be a little bit bummed that they weren't going to a bigger city or a more flashy place. But I knew once they got on the ground and once they got, to downtown Greenville, they were going to be blown away, and they were. It was a it was a grand slam from the Upstate. I will be shocked if the NCAA tournament is not back in two or three years. Very encouraging. Uh, it went that well, in my yeah. opinion. It was like I said, it, it was it was really awesome to sit there. And you know, this is the place I call home, and I'm proud of it, and and I love it. And it was awesome to see, you know, th- the city of Greenville, the Upstate just embrace this event and, and really just put on a, a fine, fine show for the NCAA tournament.
3: I want to see more of it. And I think that we will, you guys are going to be all over it up there covering South Carolina. I know we got a lot of Clemson fans listening, but still it's going to be interesting to see what Carolina can do against Baylor Friday night. And again, I, I think they can win it, but what do you guys have on the docket as far as coverage coming up the next two days, Mark?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, uh, I'm entrenched in New York now, so I'm, I'm, I'm here until, uh, in, until, 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 south carolina loses or they or until they advance to the final four either one um and then uh we've got a special coming up tomorrow night road to the title where we're going to talk about uh both of the, the the gamecock programs the men and the women um because they're the they're the only team in america that has both of their teams still in the mix so um which is remarkable and so we'll have have that and of course we'll be on you know every newscast, and then we're always all over social networking with lots of pictures and videos and quirky things that I seem to find around town. So, um, so it should be a lot of fun. But, uh, um, it's exciting. It it is exciting, and, and just as I was excited when, you know, Coastal made a run at the College of World Series or Clemson makes a run at the College Football Playoff, these things are good for our state. And to me, that's what makes them so fun to cover. It just it's good press for our state.
3: I'm with you, my friend. Hey, safe travel. Stay out of the wind. And we look forward to all the coverage coming up the next 48 hours up in the Empire State.
1: All right. Sounds good. You guys have a great day.
3: All right. Mark Doe for WYFF. Great stuff as always. Good insight on location there in the Big Apple getting ready for the NCAA Tournament Sweet 16. Of course, all that starts tomorrow night. Final segment of the show coming up. Get into some Clemson baseball. More on the big dance perhaps as well. So we continue on a Wednesday after this. Hey, Qualk here. Join me April 1st for Spring into
1: Clemson. Enjoy food, fun, and family activities for great causes with nonprofits that benefit our community. I'll be hanging out at Tiger Sports Shop from 11 to 1 on the 1st with some great deals on T-shirts, coffee mugs, license plates, pretty much everything Clemson for the Clemson fan. We'll have piping hot, fresh, Papa John's pizza to enjoy, and a chance to talk sports with me. April 1st from 11 to 1 at Spring into Clemson at Tiger Sports Shop. Be sure to tune in to Solutions in Real Estate with Jason Dillard every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on WCCP. If you need solutions to your real estate needs, look no further than Jason Dillard every Saturday morning right here at
2: on 105.5 The Roar. A need to travel? Edwards Auto Sales in Walla has the area's best prices on new Ford trucks, cars, and SUVs. In business for over 50 years, shop Edwards Auto Sales for all your automotive needs.
6: Tune in to The Yard Pros, Thursday at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 7 a.m. right here on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. For expert advice to keep your lawn and garden looking its very best. Brought to you by the professionals at Carolina Fresh Farms. The Yard Pros, twice a week, right here on WCCP 105.5 The Roar.
1: Hit a home run with Founders Federal Credit Union. Now open in Tigertown, Founders Clemson location is located on Highway 93 next to Walmart Neighborhood Market. We also have four on-campus ATMs, three of which accept cash and check deposits. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com to see if you qualify for membership. Relax. Go Tigers. Founders Federal Credit Union, located on Highway 93 in Clemson. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by the NCUA.
6: No matter where you're going, you'll
1: see hundreds of convenience stores along your route. What sets Locomart in Clemson apart? Quality gasoline at awesome prices? Yes. Rewards to help you save even more money. Yes, but you'll also find a huge craft beer selection at Locomart that you wouldn't find at a normal convenience store. There's only one stop you need to make. Locomart on Old Greenville Highway and Highway 123. Proudly locally owned and operated. Marathon, fueling the American spirit.
0: Everyone has someone in their lives that could use a little surprise, a little pick-me-up. you want to deliver those smiles, but who has the time? school, work, and more. Try Urban Nirvana's online gift certificate. Buy and print it right from your own computer. A great way to treat your wife for making all those tailgate preparations. Your college student for all the hard work. Or mom, just because. Online purchase and print from your computer. Only at UrbanNirvana.com. What
1: business doesn't like to save a little money where they can? Crute LED has partnered with Duke Power to do just that. Whether you need LED tube lights, $4 after rebate, LED high bay fixture, $79 after rebate, parking pole light, $99 after rebate, or 6-inch down lights, $4 after rebate, Crute LED will pass on Duke Power rebate up front to you with a verification of your business's Duke Power bill. Visit online at CruteLED.com or visit their office at 109 Interstate Boulevard in Anderson right before J Peters on exit 19B.
0: Looking to consolidate your debt into one easy monthly payment with a fixed low interest rate and no fees? If you have good to excellent credit, there's now an effortless way to refinance credit cards and other debt. We're Lightstream, the nation's premier online lender, and we have great news. Right now, there's never been an easier way to refinance debt with no collateral required, no appraisals, no long wait times, and no fees. Just go to Lightstream and apply in minutes, and you can have funds as soon as that very day. With Lightstream, you can be confident you'll get a competitive interest rate because we back our rates with a rate beat program. Learn more at Lightstream.com. Right now, radio listeners get a special rate discount when you go to Lightstream.com and enter promo code 7777 in the upper right corner. That's Lightstream.com promo code 7777 for a rate discount. Lightstream.com code 7777.
1: Subject to credit approval, conditions and limitations apply. Advertised rates, terms, and promotions are subject to change without notice. Visit LightStream.com for important terms and conditions about LightStream, same-day funding, and our rate beat program. Equal housing lender.
4: Hi, Tom Bodette. According to the dad bod craze, the lumpy, less-than-chiseled look is now totally in. So you could say I'm in the best shape of my life. And so is Motel 6. They've updated their properties nationwide with contemporary everything, still for the same low price you've come to expect. So your wallet can feel a little pleasantly plump, too. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com.
1: Phil Pot on WCCP. Four quarters coming up from death Valley. Second half is underway. Ten seconds, and it can't stop now. Nebraska's out of timeouts,
4: and Clemson has indeed proved itself to be the number one team in all of college football. Here's the end of the game. Are we finished?
1: Done. And now, back to Roy and Ben on WCCP 105.5 The
0: Roar.
3: We just had it go in there for a second. Uh, Walt just came by, and and we were sitting here in the doorway talking. And he said, you know, I saw the single best point spread. I think he said that he's ever seen in the NCAA tournament, and it was the Oregon Iona over-under. And and for whatever reason, I I didn't see this number. This is, I guess, back in the first round, but the over-under was posted like 150-something. And anybody that's ever seen Iona or Oregon, but especially Iona, they give up points so that they can score points quicker, right? I mean, it's like the old Loyola Marymount teams where, I mean, they, they'll give you a layup so that they can score a layup quicker. And so the, that, that is a tasty little number there at a buck 50, whatever, because Oregon's going to score points. And he said, like, that's that's one of the single best spreads I've seen in CWA NCAA tournament. And I, I told him, I was like, at the end of the regular season, I saw another spread and I told several people, Close to me, this. I was like, you know, this is the juiciest, most mistake prone point spread I've ever seen. And it was, uh, Ben, it was Cincinnati Houston at the end of the regular season. Houston, Roy. Houston. Houston, right. Houston County, down in Georgia. It was Cincinnati Houston at the end of the regular season in Cincy. And and Houston had, like, upset somebody in, in, like, the previous week. I I think it was, was it SMU, maybe? Or maybe it was, um, it may have been SMU. I, I forget. But they had a big home court win, and, and people were touting Houston to be on the bubble. Uh, uh, Kelvin Sampson's down there. I, I've seen them in person I think twice in the last two years, and it's a good team, but it's not an NCAA tournament team, and it's an awful matchup against Cincinnati. And Vegas listed the line at like minus eight. he minus eight at home against Houston. And I remember looking at it, I was like, oh, my God, that's that literally is the worst point spread I've ever seen in, in college basketball. It's the worst one I've seen this year, or the best one. You know, whichever way you're looking at it, and if, you know Cincinnati had like a mm-hmm. 25 point lead with two minutes left in the first half. It was such a miss, You know, it was a mismatch, total mismatch. I I think Walt and I could trade stories like that for for days and, and just talk about games and spreads and that kind of thing. That that would actually be kind of fun.
4: And I feel like I should be concerned that you two could can,
3: could uh, oh, absolutely stories like that. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely, I mean for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. But uh, but very good stuff there. It's, uh, it's kind of fun to talk with somebody else about that that gets geeked up about such things. Um, he also agrees with me. Syracuse as a sleeper slash surprise team in the Atlantic Division. Uh, outside of the, the metrics of it, all the starters return. Eric Dungy is back. You know, Babers continues his deal. They were 4-8 last year. Positioned, I think, pretty well in the Atlantic to at least go to a bowl game. I think earlier we were talking about, you know, seven wins. I don't know how many more they're going to win than that when you're you're coming off a 4-8 and campaign, but I I think they're going to be pretty good. And then um, I think we both concur, too, that the ACC probably won't be as good overall next year. When you lose all those starting quarterbacks, I mean, Peterman, Kaya, Evans, Watson, I mean, DeAndre Francois will kind of carry the torch, Dungy will carry the torch, uh, trubisky's out he may be the number one quarterback you know taken in this year's draft which is Thomas at Georgia Tech uh, Justin Thomas your boy yeah My he's boy. been there yeah he's been there forever he's gone and, and so I I think with that I don't I don't think the league is going to be as good in what was probably a semi-historic year last year but I don't think it's going to fall off the face of the earth either
4: and then you lost a you lost a handful of really good running backs too I mean even beyond uh Connors uh you, right you, at Pittsburgh uh, gallman Dalvin Dalvin, I mean you lost Dalvin Cook uh lots of guys like that so yeah I mean you I I would agree overall it it won't be the conference won't be as good because you you had a a a large group of really talented
3: players that are all going to be playing on Sunday next year right 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 so can that continue you know the the flip side of that is if the conference doesn't fall off the face of the earth, that's a really encouraging sign for the future. Not that anybody around here is waving the ACC flag, but I think a lot of people are forced to do that when you consider how your rivals treat their conference. And that's again, that's not a shot. That's just the state of affairs, and right? it just means more, as they like to say. So, if you care about such things, though, I I think there's reason to be
4: very optimistic sure. about the the health of the league, and every now and then I do think back to where this conference is now versus some of the conversations we had four or five years ago doing radio together. I mean, we were, you and I one summer had this conference disbanded and everybody playing somewhere else. Clemson was going to the Big 12. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's true.
3: Yeah, it's very true. And it, and it's, I mean, it's as healthy as ever. It four seven six two seven. Georgia Gregg joins us next. Greg, good afternoon. Hey Roy, how have y'all been? Uh, we are doing well. Hey, it's great to hear from you. Hope you're doing well.
2: I am. I am. Look forward to calling more as we get closer to the season. I um, I heard a lot of the discussion earlier, and I had to get out for a while, but uh, I understand a hundred percent the the questions of uncertainty and and mainly it goes back to how Georgia has seemingly been in position to win the East the past few years and has failed to do so. Um, I do. I did want to make a point just for you to think about, and you might can bring it up another day. Um, There's a couple things I think that are even more encouraging than have been in a few years. I think you would agree with me that from our quarterback situation, for the past four years, a sophomore Jacob Eason is better than a Hunter Mason, a Lambert, or a freshman Jacob Eason. So our quarterback play should be better than the past four years. I agree with that. Okay. Um, also, recruiting-wise, we do have a really strong class coming in to help back up. And our defense has been pretty solid the past few years. And I think our defense, most are returning. It should be consistent. So I think what everything you're saying is correct. Is Chaney going to step up? Mm. Big question mark. But if he does, one thing I think that's been missed in the recruiting class we just got most of the time, these the guys who were good enough to go pros in college now go after the third year. So we're really looking at most of the bigger stars being three-year players. Well, the fact that Chubb and Michelle and Lorenzo Carter, to some extent, came back, I think you could really just kind of put that at icing to the cake of a recruiting class. There, you're essentially getting two top ten, top fifteen running backs. In addition to that, I think on paper, we have, and Florida has really dropped as far as their recruiting. If you look at that, um, they're recruiting the past couple years. They're just not recruiting well. On paper, we, and you you went through the schedule, and the four losses you named, um, I think you go back through there and show just as easily how Georgia could win those games. Um, Especially, I think, the Tech game without Thomas, We've actually done well against their offense. If you look at it, we had they only scored had thirteen points and less than two hundred yards with six minutes left. We basically handed them the game last year. Um, Auburn, I would say give them that game because we beat them nine out of eleven times, and I think they're probably just you. Florida is the one we've had trouble with, and the Notre Dame, one I think, is is up, and I don't know Notre Dame has failed to live up to the expectations just like Georgia has. So we just as easily can win that. So not from a national perspective, but from a – just what the original question you asked, who should be the favorite for the East? On paper, anyway, don't you think it should be Georgia and and not even close?
3: Florida will have something to say about it. Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. Right,
3: because McIlwain's won it basically every year that he's been there. Tennessee – no Dobbs, uh, no Kamara. Uh, you know, you've lost a bunch of talent. Somehow Butch Jones is back. I, I would certainly think that you're going to be ahead of them, even though you go to Rocky Top this year. South Carolina is still probably, you know, a 4-4 four and four team, we're thinking, in the league. Kentucky is upstart. Vanderbilt is a tough out, but not going to be picked to win the division. I mean, yeah. I mean, just yes, to answer your question. It, it makes sense and I could see it happening, but they also it's got to go out there and, and, and win a couple up. of toss-up games, too, along the way. And, and, and until they do that, it, it makes me pause. It makes it makes me hesitate, Greg.
2: Well, and that's why I say you have every right to do that. Mm-hmm. But it is time for Georgia to step up. And if there ever was a year to do it, our schedule looks very doable this year. And there, this is the time to do it. Our, our quarterback play should be better than the past four years, and I agree with you. That's the key to yeah. the team and his play. I, just, I think it's time for us to step up. And up. So anyway, but that's my thoughts on it, and I, I appreciate it, Roy.
3: Greg, thank you. If Eason can come out and give me 24 touchdowns and six picks, and he throws for about 3,100 yards this year, and you know those, those numbers may be in his wheelhouse. He was 16-8, 16 touchdowns, eight picks, 2,400 yards passing, you know, TDs go up, Ben, picks about the same or come down someone, passing yards go up. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. Like, Jacob Eason needs to be the number one player in high school football that he was, and that needs to kind of translate now to college more consistently. And as a sophomore, and also according to Dean Leggy back in our second hour, you know, that, that's a possibility. I realize his name was Georgia, Greg, but how
4: could you really say – Georgia's going to win the East, and it shouldn't even be close. Well, I mean, because it you've got be be, to beat Florida. Yeah, right? I mean, that's what it will come down to. You've got to beat Florida. You haven't been able to do that.
3: And subsequently, Florida's won the division the last two years. You couldn't beat Vanderbilt at home last year. I mean, think about that. How yeah. could Georgia be picked comfortably ahead of everybody else in the SEC East when you lost at home to Vandy? I think you. Ha- <laughs> all those guys have two conference
4: losses or more. And tiebreaker will go to the the winner of Georgia, Florida. Okay. I, I mean, that's that's where I see it happen. To me, how could
3: you say anything different than that? Makes it a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, Tennessee's not doing it. I mean, Butch Jones is back, and we, everybody's kind of like, really? Butch Jones is back, therefore, Tennessee's not part of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they lost everybody, too, especially on offense. And yet Jones returns and you just wonder how that's going to work out I, I don't know that that's going to end That's going to end in a a, a Nice fashion up in Knoxville this year But I, I don't know who knows maybe with the expectations Now a race They find a way to not get in Their own way In 2017 It's always fun to talk about these things in March Nobody's going to remember this come September But it's fun to discuss today Oh if I'm right I'll remember oh, yeah, <laughs> Right right Vol Nation will remember too and we should put that out there as well. Uh, good stuff today. Working on a couple of interviews for tomorrow. Clemson baseball didn't get to it this afternoon. Perhaps we'll touch on it more tomorrow. Uh, in transit up to Rhode Island for a series against Boston College because uh, Shea Commander Field apparently is, is not uh, suitable for playing conditions, be able to host a three-game series. The Tigers on the diamond look like that they have the look of a team bound for Omaha this year with really no enormous weaknesses uh, on this roster. And I I think that's been encouraging the power surge of Chris Williams, who is gaining health by the inning. Pitching, I think, has been solid. But just the comeback ability and the resolve of this program right now, vastly different compared to what it used to be. And that's no knock on anybody. It, It just has gotten so much better and they've gotten so much more confident at the plate and on the mound when a play needs to be made, whether it's a two-out hit to the opposite field or a full-count pitch with the bases loaded in the top of the ninth, whatever, they seemingly come up with a play. And I think that just bodes very well, very well for this program as we get closer to postseason play. uh, Right now, they look very strong in the ACC. In case you missed it, Dwayne Bacon has declared for the NBA draft today. Thank God. Thank God he's (laughs) leaving Tallahassee. And so Clemson and Braburnell won't we'll have to deal with him in the coming seasons. Not a big surprise, uh, but certainly encouraging if you're trying to get upwards mobility there.